Welcome back to The Francisca Show, where we encourage fellow artists and entrepreneurs to collaborate and support each other while sharing their stories. I'm Francisca, a singer, composer, and also your host. And just before we begin the show, I'd like to thank our sponsors. ShopDrop is an iPhone app that lists every sample sale in New York. So if you want to buy designer clothes without breaking the bank, go to your iPhone and download the ShopDrop app today. Today we have a singer, songwriter, and radio played artist by the name of Leah Asher. Welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> so I know that Asher is not your born name. Could I ask you what that name is about and where you got it from? Yeah, for sure. Um, my father was always very into the word Asherah. So he taught us that it meant richness of life more than richness of money. He named his company Asher Financial. Um, and so when uh, I was eight years old, he taught me how to play guitar and sing and kind of instilled this love of music. So I decided that when it was time to pick a stage name, because Dinowitz is too long to fit on a poster, um, I went with Asher, sort of as a tribute to him. And also because that's sort of what I want my music to embody is like richness and fullness of life. Wow, I really like that. That's beautiful. And clearly a lot of thought went into that. Yeah, it was definitely hard picking a new last name for my career. <laughs> well, speaking of the career, I heard you had your original song with your vocals on the radio, and I saw a clip on it on Facebook, all over social media. I mean, um, that's amazing. Could you tell us Thank you how, so much. what did you have to do to get on the radio? So uh, I released my EP called Sand Heart last summer. And I was going to this uh, songwriters, the ASCAP conference in LA, and I really wanted my entire um, EP to be finished. An EP is like an album, but shorter, which I'm sure you know, but maybe some listeners don't. When I released this album, I put it out on Spotify and uh, iTunes everywhere that music is sold. And it sort of started to circulate around like the Baltimore artist scene. And one day my manager got a call that... <laughs> WTMD, which is like a local Baltimore station, called her and they were like, um, how does Leah Asher pronounce her first name? And she was like, why? And they were like, we got our hands on her music and we want to play it. And it was like the best surprise ever. So I didn't do anything. <laughs> well, you got yourself a manager. Can you tell us how that happened? It's actually kind of hilarious. Uh, when I was 16 um, and I started writing my own music, my sister, who's an attorney, uh, kind of threw me in a recording studio and was like, this is what you're doing with your life. It's your calling. Uh, and since then, she's learned music law and took on the role of my manager. So it's actually my sister. <laughs> That's so cool. And who paid for that first studio session that she threw you into the studio? She did. That's such an amazing sister. She really believed in you. She honestly, like, she does 50% of the Asher work. Like, she's in every meeting. She's at every pitch, every show. She's honestly, she's been in co-write sessions. Like she's so involved. Um, I'm really lucky to have her. I honestly wouldn't be halfway where I am without her. It sounds like you got a great invested person, a slash yeah. partner in in your projects and your music. Career. Yeah. So cool. Um, yeah. So maybe let's circle back and tell us where you get your incredible inspiration for these lyrics that you come up with and obviously the music, but you're also famous for your lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's definitely where uh, the attention came from. I want to be a songwriter more than I want to be a singer. 
that's like definitely my first love. Um, but a lot of the songs are just, you know, literal narratives of my life and what I've gone through. Um, the first song that ever got popular of mine was a song called I Hate Your Stupid Boyfriend. <laughs> that's literally about, um, you know, I think everyone's been in this situation where you, you love someone, you have a best friend or a sibling and they're like, I have to introduce you to this person I'm dating. And then you meet the person and you're like, why? <laughs> and it's just that, you know, miserable feeling of having somebody you love date somebody you can't stand. So I wrote that song as a joke when one of our friends was dating a not so fantastic guy to make her laugh and my other friends laugh and to sort of lighten the situation. And then we recorded the song and people sort of related to it. And I think that that's how, you know, my, my musical uh, reputation started. <laughs> But um, a lot of the songs are actually not so face value. Um, I have lupus. I was diagnosed when I was 16. And um, that has brought up a lot of feelings of, you know, very similar to a breakup, like feelings of uh, abandonment from my body and, uh, you know, alienation and frustration and feeling lost and betrayed. Um, And then, you know, overcoming that and feeling triumphant. But you can't really write a song called like, lupus because nobody will relate to it so I took those feelings and I made them into relationship metaphors so that people could understand the feelings that I was writing about without having actually gone through what I've gone through take us through your process so you write a song and you have your sister believing in you so she throws you into the studio and you start recording your EP yeah so I mean originally um I I hadn't started on the EP right away. When I was 16, I was just sort of recording like the raw version of all of my different songs. Um, And then it wasn't until I was, you know, 21 that I decided to actually put together a full body of work. Um, And I met a producer. uh, His name is Jeremy Englander. He is a brilliant, brilliant genius. And everybody should look him up, Blue Door Studios. Um, And we actually collaborated on this album. So there wasn't really so much of a financial component. Cool. Yes, I have met him. Have is his you? name Yakov also? Yakov, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I've been in his studio. You we, have, yeah, we did work on something place. together. Studio. Yeah, what a small world. Mm-hmm. And your manager, who's your sister, who's also a lawyer. So she submits your music, WTMB picks it up. So obviously, uh, since you went to the ASCAP conference for songwriters, you know about registering your work and copywriting it, which I'm sure you did. Mm-hmm. Have you started seeing any royalties yet? And what does that mean for you that you have been played on the radio? Like, what's the next step? So um, as for the royalties, I wasn't really expecting to see any just because it's like, you know, your first run uh, at this crazy, you know, industry. Um, so I wasn't really expecting to see any money. And then money started to come in, which was so weird and is so weird. Um, I have been seeing royalties way, way more than I expected. Um, and it, that's kind of enabled me to be able to... I'm, I'm a yoga teacher. Oh, <laughs> really? So am I. <laughs> you are? Yes. No Namaste, way. Leah. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, so I, uh, I'm a yoga teacher. And when, once these royalties started to come in, I was able to sort of, uh, you know drop some of the classes I was teaching and switch over to doing music more full time, which has been a real blessing that I'm just so thankful for. Uh, I've been doing a lot of co-writing and uh, pitching to labels. I do a lot of, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with sync licensing, but it's sort of uh, pitching your music for film and commercials and uh, things like that. Oh yeah. Um, 
yeah, so I've been doing a lot of that and working on maybe finding a small label or maybe publishing more independent work. I think that I have a couple of singles right now that I might be publishing independently, but we'll see about that. (laughs) What's stopping you from publishing them independently? Does that mean you're giving up the right of licensing that out to bigger stars? Uh, Yes, exactly. So a lot of the time, I mean, sometimes a star will take something that was, you know, uh, previously published if it was small enough that people weren't seeing it. But I've gotten to the point very recently where I'm getting larger numbers of people listening to the songs, which I'm so grateful for. But it also means that I have to be very careful about what I publish because it might not be, you know, suitable to sell anymore or to, you know, license out. So I have been sort of on this in this weird limbo of writing music and deciding if that's a Leia Asher song or if that's a song I want to pitch to somebody else. Right now I'm um, writing for a few different up-and-coming people, which has been really fun and crazy and different. It kind of opens the door for, you know, writing things that you wouldn't say <laughs> as, like, your own character. Like, Leia Asher sort of has, like, a, every artist has sort of a voice and a message. Um, and sometimes, you know, I'll have it's kind of fun to write from the perspective of somebody other than Leia Asher. And, you know, it's like playing a character, you know? It's, it's funny. I, I never even thought you could do that. I, but it totally makes sense because when you're, you know, working with a client, it's not about how I want the music to sound. It's what the client wants the music to sound like. So exactly. You're sort of leading me into the next topic, which is what Leia Asher is not. And clearly you are Jewish from, I do know that's a part of your identity. So I want to hear how that has impacted your musical career or even your aspirations. Um, It's it's interesting. I I went to a a base Yaakov where like pop star isn't really one of the, you know, given paths (laughs) that they offer. And I was really happy there. I had a really good experience. Um, But I sort of realized that I would be doing this thing that nobody else who I grew up with or went to school with would, you know, understand or really be able to empathize with. Um, Nobody else was really pursuing music, you know, as as a life choice. So um, I I sort of had to like come out to my friends and be like, hi guys, like I'm, I'm going to be a singer. what what do you mean like what and I was like for my job I'm, I'm gonna be a singer um it, it was funny but I it's impacted me in the sense that it's it's different I had to learn that you know just because you're not being the same kind of religious as everybody else it doesn't mean that anybody is wrong you know there are so many different ways to be an orthodox Jew Um, And I think that that's a big misconception is that people think that if you're going to do the orthodoxy thing, you have to stay in this box of, you know, the, the status quo, what's expected. And that's not true. Judaism is this big, versatile, beautiful gift. And um, I have definitely, I think that the music has brought out a a better Jew and the Judaism has brought out better music. So you sound like a mindful yoga teacher slash musician. Yes, mindfulness all day. I love your answers. But I am curious, and I know I used to discuss more on the show, you know, when do you decide that you'll sing for both men and women? But I feel like that became boring. I do want to know, what was it like to sing for the first time in front of men and women when you decided 
actively clearly the basical way is not to sing in front of men so at one point yeah. you did have to make an active choice yes. to do it so could you talk about that experience yeah actually I fell in love with music when I was about you know eight years old and I, I was just madly in love like I knew that music was the love of my life but I never thought that it would be a career because I was in Basiakov and obviously Kolisha is a, a thing and so I um went to I, I was never really resentful of it. I just sort of figured that, it, you know, everyone has dreams that they don't get to pursue and that would be mine. Um, and that was fine. I was cool with it. Like I just knew that music would always be there and I, I didn't have to make it a career. Um, and then once I started to write my own music at 16 or 17, um, I sort of got more of an itch and realized how badly I, I wanted to be doing this beautiful thing where you get to just be raw and honest and, help people understand themselves and, you know, feel free and understood and, and validated. Um, and I was so drawn to it. And I just, that sort of built from the ages of like 17 to 19, I, I really wanted to do it, but I felt like I shouldn't. Um, and then I decided to sort of start studying Kolisha uh, myself and with um, rabbis and sort of really figure out if the way that I was taught it is the way that I would actually pursue. So I went to uh, this amazing seminary. <laughs> it's actually kind of crazy. I was 17 when I was di- 16 when I was diagnosed with lupus um, the year before I went to seminary. And they were like, you cannot go. You're too sick. Like I was being hospitalized every few days. They were like, you really should not do this. But I really wanted to. Like I knew that there were answers there for me. So I was like, I will find the lupus center in Israel. There's, there is one. <laughs> and um, I will be so on top of my own healthcare. And I know that like going away from home for the first time is scary for anyone, but I was, I was really, really sick. So it was like a whole other thing, you know, kind of like living on my own for the first time with this illness that I was now responsible to manage by myself. So, um, I found a school called Mahomayan. That's the best seminary in the world and <laughs> highly recommend it. And, um, there I was, I was able to find people who really sat down and let me ask the questions I needed to ask and understand what I needed to understand and see the rules for myself and, um, you know, understand that there is a spectrum of understanding when it comes to halacha. And it's not just, it's not just one thing. Um, and I finally came to the conclusion that I would not be abandoned. The, the main thing I knew that I couldn't do was abandon my Jewish beliefs for, for music, you know, like Judaism is definitely the first love of my life and music is definitely the second. So, I had to make sure that if I was going to pursue this, I wouldn't be abandoning any other bigger parts of me. And uh, once I came to that conclusion through my own halakhic study that I actually would not be compromising on anything that I believed in by singing in front of men, I decided to go for it. And that was my active choice. Um, and then the first time that I did it, I was terrified that I would feel guilty or, or bad. But I think because of all the study and because it was really an educated decision and not just a snap one, you know, it was one that I'd gone away for a whole year to basically study just that. I felt really good and empowered. And like, I was finally expressing my Judaism in a way that was authentic to me. Uh, I really like that. Thanks for sharing. So you did mention how you feel more connected to the songwriting aspect of the job than to the artist part and dealing with that limbo place you mentioned 
without not knowing whether you should keep the songs for Leah Asher or to pitch them to other artists. So imagine, or not pretend, but let's hope you make it. You are that big artist that you could write your own songs and sing them too. I know a lot of From Girls would say, you know, that's not something I'd want because touring is not practical. The performance life... <laughs> ends up messing with the artist very often, especially when they're young and beautiful and super talented. So let's say that was an option for you. If someone is ready to sign you to a small label or even a big label tomorrow, what would your thought process be? So, okay. <laughs> I, um, I've recently been reading um, Robert Cardozo's book, um, Jewish Law is Rebellion, I think that it's called. Um, and it's sort of this, Amazing. I, I highly recommend it to everyone. But one thing that he spoke about in the book, and I mean, some of the ideas in this book are very radical and hard to understand. And I definitely, you know, whether or not you agree with it, it's, it's more about just opening your mind to the thought processes. And one of the things that he talks about is the fact that over the years, Judaism has become this, this sort of um, status quo. The, you know, it's seen as something that can only be done one way. Um, and only if you follow very certain specific guidelines and paths. And that's not what it was really originally intended to be. It was sort of, you know, intended as this beautiful gift that we had to sort of be like a light unto the nations, to go out into the world and help and heal and make it better and stronger. And, um, you know, a lot of people would say that as a from girl, it's probably not wise to go on tour and not focus on like starting a family and doing all the things that are generally seen as like the religious 22 year old way, but I don't see it that way. I think that everybody, the whole point of Judaism is so that everybody can find their best self and then use that best self to heal the world. And I think that that's what I'm doing. I think that with my music, especially if I was able to go out on tour and share it with the world, I would be fulfilling my Judaism, not balancing it. I think that that, that is what I'm meant to be doing. And I also feel like the fact that I was raised with these like sort of standards for what is good and what is kind and what is wholesome. Um, I don't think that the industry will be a dangerous place for me. I think that, and I, I see that it is for a lot of young women, but I think that Judaism and that my own personal study of Judaism has given me the sort of grounds for knowing what is authentically me and what isn't, and it would make it very difficult for me to stray from that. So, um, yeah, I would absolutely go on tour, happily. Well, I really wish you that you find what you're looking for and that you're blessed with all the success and really the fulfillment you're looking for Thank out you. of this career. Could you tell me who your three artists that inspire you the most are? Yeah, for sure. I think that they've sort of evolved um, <laughs> as I have. Originally, it was definitely 100% Taylor Swift. I learned how to write listening to her music. I think she's so honest, articulate, and she does this sort of, I call it like, she sort of like does like word paint. Like she can really make you see and feel what she has put out there. You know, like she can really paint the scene for you in your head. And I love that. And I don't think that she holds back. Um, and so it was definitely her in the beginning when I started writing songs like I Hate Your Stupid Boyfriend and Anthem, like, you know, those girl power kind of tracks. Um, and then more recently, it's been um, so there are a couple bands like 21 Pilots and AJR that are sort of doing this thing, like taking pop outside of that general pop structure of like 
songs that are three minutes and 30 seconds and with, you know, verse, verse, bridge, chorus, verse, bridge, chorus, you know, um, sort of making pop this new, bold, different thing that's not just, you know, songs about the dance floor anymore or songs about whatever. It's it's like real, truthful, honest, more, I call it like lyrical pop, like songs that are very lyrically driven. Um, so bands like that have been a huge inspiration for me. Imagine Dragons. Um, and then very recently, this artist has come out onto the scene called Billie Eilish. And she is uh, a very, very good writer. And I've been, my writing has been very inspired by hers lately. Tell me your last three concerts you did and what were uh, they like? Okay, so actually the last show I did was so much fun. Um, this local show in Baltimore called Nair Tumid, where my grandparents actually went, uh, called me and they were like, we want to do like a, like a coffee house event to draw women to the show. Will you do a show? And I was so excited because it's like, I play a lot of shows and usually it'll be like at a bar or at a club or whatever. And I don't know anybody there, you know, like sometimes people will know me from YouTube or people who, you know, follow me on Instagram and have heard my music that way, but it's never anybody who I know. Um, and I love being in front of a crowd. It's one of my favorite things. I feel like it's such a, you know, spiritual experience connecting with people that way, but it's very different. Um, when it's a performance for the people who you grew up with, you know, um, and it was kind of like a lot of Baltimore Jewish community came out to support me and listen to what I had to say. And it was people, you know, it was like the girls from my elementary school carpool and like, you know, people who I just knew from around town. And it was, it was awesome. It was a great show. Um, connecting with, you know, my community and playing for them. I loved that. The show before that was, oh, at a place called um, Drome Nightclub in New York. And that was fun. It was, it was with a couple of other bands. Somebody had invited me out to play. It was sort of like a night of up and coming artists. And so that, that was really cool. The crowd was really fun that night. The last like big show that I remember was at the bitter end in New York, um, which is like this really, it's sort of a bar, but it's really more for artists. All of these artists were sort of like inaugurated into the music industry. there, like Lady Gaga, Peter, Paul and Mary, like all these big, huge acts who ended up being like larger than life played there first that's where they got their start um and so they had found me on instagram and reached out and they were like do you want to you know like play here do you want to do a show and i was so unbelievably honored and excited and um playing there was really exciting like playing on a stage where people who i had really admired had stood before me was awesome very like emotional fun experience and the crowd was absolutely insane that night. It was great. So can you tell me if any of these shows paid you or you were expected to perform for free? They all pay, yes. They um, all pay. So that's uh, amazing. In the very beginning, I played a lot of coffee houses for free. I would just be like, please let me play here. Like, I don't, don't give me any money. I'll give you money. Like, just let me play. Um, and then eventually I started to get actually booked. I'm so happy for you. I would love to continue this conversation more and learn more from you. I feel like you're definitely a role model, an example for many girls out there. Oh, thank you who, so much. Who also have the dream and to aspire for a career that's completely untraditional and unorthodox in our community. Yeah. And you're definitely taking this, you understand your responsibility and you're mindful of your decisions and you treat this with tremendous respect when it comes to yourself, when it comes to your Judaism and when it comes to your career. So I really 
admire you for that and I thank you on behalf of everyone and it's really been amazing to have you on the show I'm so happy we had this chat and is there anything you're selling right now that we could promote for you <laughs> you're so sweet I really love being on the show honestly I've done a few interviews and I have to say that this is like my favorite one oh, um yeah you ask you ask the good questions um yeah, my uh, EP, Sand Heart, is out everywhere. Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, wherever you listen to music. Um, Sand Heart, one word, by Leah Asher. And you should check it out. And if you like it or hate it or anything, check me out on Instagram, Leah Asher Official, and let me know. <laughs> if you have been enjoying this podcast, please make sure to leave us a review. Subscribe and share this show with people you think may also enjoy it. See you next time. This is your moment, your moment to move forward and make progress. It's time to see where an education can take you. For over 130 years, Strayer University has been at the forefront of change, offering programs that help students like you get ahead and stay ahead, so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef.